0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Winging F1 podcast, Dutch Grand Prix Zandvoort review. We're here after a win for Max Verstappen, a home win in front of a very passionate Orange Army and generally good natured, I thought, Orange Army at Zandvoort. It was, I really enjoyed the weekend. I think we'll get into whether we enjoyed the race later or now. How did you enjoy the race? Nigel and Freddie are, of course, joining me.
1: I enjoyed the race. <laughs> I'm going to stop being polite. Um, I, I did enjoy the race. I thought we had uncertainty until probably about seven or eight laps from the end um, because you every now and again you'd get a push from Lewis that would get really close and you get a lapsed car would get in the way but it worked out of Max or in the way of Lewis and it was fluctuating. It was one of the most unpredictable lead gaps I think we've had for a while since like probably Imola where it was all wet and stuff like that just because it was Topsy-turvy all over the shop. Um, and you could just sense such a sort of attack from Mercedes um, with on on Verstappen at his home turf. And I really enjoyed that. I do think um, it was a race to watch with the timing screen in front of you because then you could keep an eye on the battles that just didn't show on the screen. I do think the direction was a little bit naff, which didn't help it. Um, but other than that, I, had a, I, did, I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed the entire Dutch country weekend.
2: Yeah, it was a great, great weekend. I think for the first uh Dutch Rombre for 36 years, they did a fantastic job. I think in general the reaction has been very, very positive as well. Uh, there was no traffic issues, I've heard, which was a big concern yeah. and stuff. Uh, so it was fantastic and Verstappen on brilliant form. But I think the battle, you know, some people will say no, we didn't get the wheel to wheel action, but strategically. And I love strategy. I love tires. In the world F one, it was brilliant. <laughs> it was fantastic. It, it was as as good as it gets, I think. With Mercedes and Red Bull battling it out at the front over seventy two laps, and ultimately it came down to the drivers, and the, the strapping came out on top.
0: Mm, I think, yeah. I mean, you know, for a you know, it feels like all of the fans who were there will have come away with a really positive experience of it, which is the main thing, and. Yeah, I think I, it's probably want a bit more for the F1 purists or, you know, kind of somewhat knowledgeable yeah. F1 fans. I think if you're a first-time viewer, you might find it a bit um, cool. But, yeah. you know, I think that's quite a small proportion of the market, really. Um, and, yeah, I, it, it really benefited, benefited from a race at the front. I think if this was last year and you just had Mercedes or Hamilton out front by a second and then Bottas dropping back each lap, I think it would have been pretty dull, really. But you know that that fight for the lead, as we've all said, was you know in the balance. There was fluctuations, and yeah, I think you know in general, a really positive weekend. And yeah, I'm I'm just happy it went well. I'm happy that my excitement yeah. paid off, especially mm. after saying that I was really excited for qualifying, actually misqualifying. Um, <laughs> <but, laughs> so um, I was thinking, oh well, if the race is dull, then I'll. Um, Didn't go it out up on Friday night bit. or something. Uh, no, yeah, I you were
2: messaging us when practice three was going on at like 11am uh, yeah. so it was I like 4am I was
0: like well Adam's <laughs> had a wild one <laughs> I mean yeah there was there was that but mainly the there was a football game American football game the next morning that I was going to so I was already up and psyching myself up for that by the time qualifying was so on so but yeah next one's in the evening so I'll be able to catch Monza qualifying and Monza it's qualifying on the Friday so I haven't got all of that out of the way. Firstly, what did you think of Mercedes' strategy? Nigel, you go first.
2: I think they dropped the ball. I think they could have won. I think they had three chances, at least, to win the race. I think Bottas' driver error, I think he made a mistake at the chicane Verstappen. It was an easy overtake in the end. And Hamilton was about three seconds behind when Verstappen was on. Bottas's tail. I think Bottas held him up for just that one lap. So Hamilton was unlucky, I think, with the traffic. If he, if he was a bit closer, uh, he maybe could have done something. But then I, they pitted Hamilton at the wrong time. Hamilton uh, said he, he just had some traffic. So again, it was three seconds behind, so the undercut was never going to work. They should have done it when he was a bit closer, and they put him out back in traffic, which they should know about. they got millions of screens, loads of timing and data uh, to see that. And then I think they should have tried a free stop strategy because we haven't seen it for a long time, but I think it was on today because uh, we about 20, 15 laps to go, put on the soft tyres, Verstappen's on um, hard tyres, give it a go, there's no traffic, and if Verstappen did react, he would have been back behind Bottas again, so then Redmond probably would have left him out there. So they should have given Howl some more chances, I think. They might not have won, but I think there were more chances for Mercedes to win, and I don't think they got it right today.
1: I agree with all of that, apart from the three-stop, which I'm 50-50 on, Um, which I think was probably where Mercedes were at with it. I think the pit stop time loss was... For such a short pit lane, it was actually relatively long in Zandvoort. It was in like mm. 26, 27 seconds, um, I which it was is twenty one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I thought the graphic was a bit off that they yeah, showed. Yeah,
2: the graphic but... was wrong. I'm sure. I'm sure it's oh, twenty one. Okay.
1: Well, yeah. if it's if it's twenty one, then that's different. But it's still like in such a short lap, it's a lot of time to make up with twenty laps to go. Whereas some are like um, Barcelona. There's five seconds more on the lap, and that kind of thing makes it a bit easier. Whereas it was. So sort of relentless around there. I think twenty laps on the softs. They said they were able to manage it, conserving their qualifying tires early on. But Mercedes went so early on that one. Who knows whether if they'd been haranguing some softs, whether it would have actually had the impact they'd wanted to catch Verstappen um, with that kind of Budapest Barcelona France strategy. I think I don't. I think it, they would have just stayed second anyway, um, if they'd done that. I I agree. It's probably to be fair. It's worth a gamble in that position, but sort of at around lap 55, Hamilton was still taking, able to sometimes take chunks out of Verstappen, so I think they were just going to rely on, okay, just see if you can absolutely nail him. Just some classic mega racing, which nearly mm. paid off, to be honest, I'd say. He nearly got within DRS range of Verstappen, and I think it was sort of just leapfrogging the traffic in the right way that probably... Helped Hamilton at some points and, and helped Verstappen at other points. So it's, it's that kind of game of chess that I think, I don't know, it, it was a hard one to to call, but I think Rebel were able to just manage everything that Mercedes threw at them just because they seem to have that extra little touch of pace that they could just see, oh, Mercedes might be pitting, well, let's pull out a bit.
2: I would say Red Bull got the strategy spot on. Which is what gave the staff away. Because I mean it's two versus one. So Mercedes would, you know, yeah. they're undoubtedly gonna get chances. And I don't think they made the most of it. I think I think they were pretty equal. And I think Mercedes operationally didn't quite get it right, I don't think.
0: Mm, I think I mean they were really they were hyper aggressive on the on the strategy and kind of really pushing Kind of every opportunity they got, which they needed to do, because you know I don't. I think they were pretty close on pace all weekend, but I think Verstappen had the edge, to be honest. And you know, from he got an absolutely mega start, a mega first lap, yeah. and then you know from there, it was kind of Hamilton was always on the back foot, you know, trying to trying to close in. So I think you know it's the right thing being aggressive on the strategy. Um, and yeah, I think I I don't think that kind of mistakes with that major in terms of, you know, I think they were just a bit out every time. and Margins you know, are been,
2: so small the aren't
0: Yeah, it? yeah, you know, it's, it's small margins and that's kind of why we love F1. But, you know, I, the uh, second stop onto the mediums was, mm. you know, just put it back a lap. Verstappen wasn't pitting, you know, the next lap anyway. I think just put that yeah. back a lap and you sorted and they just, yeah, I think it's just things... There you know a couple of moments like that that they didn't you know discounting the stuff with the fastest lap at the end which was ridiculous. Um, but outside of that, yeah, I thought it was aggressive and I think the right ideas. Again, I think I agree on the three stopper that I don't think it would have worked either way. It's probably worth going for it, but I can see why they didn't. And yeah, as I said, I don't think it would have affected the result. But um, I think yeah, they they threw everything at staff and just maybe not necessarily aiming correctly every time
2: <laughs> I, I think Mercedes's strategy, I would say overall it's not been quite as good as Red Bulls this year and I, I think the stakes are going to win or, or lose this year's championship and I think these small errors if it does come down to the final race, could be crucial in races where, where they are nearly equal such as the one we had this weekend.
0: I mean, I I don't think, I think even if they nailed their strategy, I don't really think they would have got it, to be honest. I don't think Hamilton could have undercut Verstappen um, in the final stop or the final stop Maybe. that they voted. I, d- I don't think that... I think even it got if, really even close he, for the first one. He was getting uh,
2: two seconds. It, yeah, getting two,
1: they had, what was it, a three and a half second stop for his first stop to hmm. Verstappen's like 2.4. like that yeah yeah Yeah. and i think that second would have put him well within a drs range of verstappen on warm Mm. tires to probably have a have a decent attack and i think for me that was the most crucial sort of um you know basic operational moment that lost mercedes a really key chance um so just for like you know on track effect um which i think yeah, yeah. Rebel were just on it, and Rebel had a harder pit box because it was so narrow there. Um, they were showing some clips of when you see them pull the sort of uh ropes back, uh pipes back with the guns, and occasionally you have like one mechanic just tugs it back about a foot. They were tugging them back like they were trying to like pull in a cart horse. It was to to let the other cars go through, and Rebel had to weave through that, whereas Mercedes could get a straight line into their pit box because of their. Um, great twenty twenty. Um, so
0: that's what they will do it for. Yeah. But, you know, <laughs> yeah exactly. Even so, I think you know Verstappen was, as I say, I think he just had the pace advantage throughout. I think it was about three seconds when Hamilton came in. Obviously, Red Bull nailed they pissed off as they always do, apart from once this season when it was Perez. Um, but apart from that, you know, I I truly don't think that Verstappen was going to lose that. And equally, you know, with Bottas, with Bottas slowing up uh Verstappen I think it was the right move and he just got um you know he didn't quite know the chicane and Hamilton was three seconds back which you know was pretty that was a crucial at that stage but at yeah. the same time I don't I don't think Hamilton would have got through you know it, we kind of saw how tough it was for Max to pass Bottas who's you know a faster driver in marginally the faster car on faster tires and you know he was he still took a while to pass Bottas, and I don't think Hamilton would have been able to do any difference. So, I don't think it would have affected yeah, the result really hard either way. Yeah, but you know they they didn't get full marks for their strategy. But you know it, it's it's good. It made the race interesting, and you know yeah. I'm glad glad they did go for the strategy. Mm-hmm. What was going on at the end, Freddie, with the fastest lap soft <laughs> tires?
1: Oh, it was just yeah. So Bottas had vibrations on his tires and they had what do they have they vibrations. had about 45 seconds to to um to gasly they so they thought, you know what well. of holland yeah <laughs> they, had, they had about a, a two 20 calendar years back to gasly <laughs> and um so that's you know that's enough for a safe pit stop but because of the fastest lap rule that means it's just gonna go really fast he's gonna get the fastest lap so they brought him into pit didn't tell him beforehand that he wasn't supposed to go for the fastest lap, and then when he came out, they said, "Oh yeah, you're on fresh tires, but don't go for the fastest lap, Valtteri." While he, and then he went for the fastest lap because what do you do? You drive your car to the best of its abilities, which was way of lap records capable. So, yeah, it, which led to kind of embarrassing moment where Rebel, Rebel Mercedes had to their strategy head had, had uh, James Fowles had to come onto the radio and go, "Oh, Valtteri, it's James the classic," and say, so, um abort the fastest lap attempt because yeah for obvious reasons Never they heard need to that keep before. the point no <laughs> it's it's a really um technical way of saying Faltery just slow down mate and which is really you know was what which was the right idea for them to do and I think it's the right idea for them to pit for safety reasons if they think the tires are going to burst or at least they just they can so they may as well um because they had pit stop in hand and bad pit stop in hand which is the main bit. Um, but just open your communication and they could have told Lewis a few more things and that kind of stuff throughout the race as well with communication for the strategy we've just talked about like oh these cars are going to be here what do you think we need to take this gamble do you think that's okay that uh, is going to result in this like um for the pit stops we've already talked about but yeah and it just meant that they were just taking points off themselves which in such a tight championship that's you know, it came down that where the championship lead is basically probably going to change multiple times for the rest of the season I reckon considering it has done already this year there's no there's a big chance it could change again in a week so that's how tight it is between Verstappen and Hamilton these fastest this one point is so important and I think Mercedes just needed to read the riot act of Altery a bit more but I can completely understand why he's going to be a bit cheeky because to be honest to the the to, um, with all the best intention to Mercedes, they just sacked him. Like, <laughs> it's the worst time to ask him to play the biggest team game that's needed of him. But anyway, oh, I think I don't know. I
0: I don't know whether like, did they tell him that he had the fastest lap? That Hamilton had the fastest lap when he came in. I, I don't. I don't think it was really like. I didn't fast. tell him when he came. They told him
1: on his out lap when he thought he was going to be going to set the fastest lap.
0: Yeah, I, I don't. I don't think it was kind of him being cheeky. I think it was just lack of you know, he played the team game earlier, you know, trying to hold um Verstappen back for as long as he could and then getting out of the That's way true. of Hamilton. I don't I don't think it was kind of that aspect. I think it was just really poor communication. You know, you could just he could just like start, he could just coast for a straight and then carry on. He, as we've said he had a million seconds back to Gasly. You know, there's just like no and you fresh tires to escape. They told him to slow down in the final section. They just said, Oh, I didn't slow down enough. So yeah, it's I said, it just seemed quite a bizarre thing. And yeah, to, just to kind of cap off cap off a, a strange race. But it did put, you know, because as I think you said at the start, of the race kind of settled down in the last um, you know, ten or so laps with Hamilton falling, falling back from Verstappen. So, you know, it kind of Put some um, something to point and laugh at. Yeah, exactly. So you know that was it that was. It could fun. have
2: been really embarrassing though, because if if a yellow yeah. flag came out or a safety car, virtual safety well, car, for... two laps, yeah, you know, they messed up the pit stop really badly. Then they would have just looked really silly because Hamilton yeah. have the fastest lap. There was no, no. need to go for it. Um, the vibration. Yeah, very good. I don't know lap as if I'm well. buying had... into that. I mean Bottas yeah. even slowed down in the final sector, by the way. I think he slowed down by about eight tenths or something, yeah, but he, he still did, went faster. So that mm, so was as fast as that, that was, was the fault completely. I, I wouldn't put it on bottas or Hamilton, obviously. So yeah. I think it just adds to what I said before. And I've wrote I wrote I've wrote an article about Mercedes this day, which will be coming out tomorrow, which might be actually it will it will be out by the time this is out.
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, I think. Yeah, I think we all kind of agree maybe Mercedes didn't know their strategy and Red Bull did. But, you know, as in the end, it didn't create a problem. Hamilton got the fastest lap back, set a new lap record and, you know, everyone moves on to Monza. But the driver who last won at Monza also had a very good race (laughs) today. Pierre Gasly was away from, you know, he wasn't ever challenging the front three, and he wasn't really ever under pressure from the drivers behind him. He just had, like, one of the least notable P4s I've ever seen from, you know, a midfield car or kind of, you know, close to the back of the midfield car. But it was a very fantastic performance from Gasly. Freddie, you've put your Tol Rosso hat on, so do you want to take this one?
1: He's qualified in the top six and 11 of the 13 races this year, which is why we're not looking into this as an anomaly, because it's normal for Gasly to be doing this fantastic. Um, I think I did expect the Ferraris to maybe leap leapfrog him during the race, but they did their one stop, um, which didn't work out too well in the end because they were actually caught by the Alpines. Um, but I think, yeah, I think Gasly was definitely driver of the day for me. He was he was a step above uh, anyone who wasn't uh the Mercedes or Verstappen. And he was closer to them than he was to really the. The cars behind. So um, at the end of the race, the gap from Hamilton to Bottas was the same as the gap from Bottas to Gasly, which I just thought, wow, this guy's just at one with this car. He was something like a second and a half ahead of Sonoda in qualifying. I think probably the absolute best times, it's probably something like two seconds gap. Um, He's just a man doing the best he's ever done in Formula One. And he said a few comments after qualifying um, about essentially voicing his frustration, um, basically saying he's confused why he's not in the rebel seat.
0: And I think, well. Because so, it went so fantastically well last yeah, time. Uh, I, think you,
1: I think my words to that are, PS, stay where you are and make yourself probably out as probably the fourth or fifth best driver in Formula 1 at the moment. Maybe third you could make the case for, I'd say. Um, when you're in Alpha Tower, keep there until you know the rebel settle down a bit. Let Perez do the dog's work.
2: Mm, yeah. Just outstanding. Outstanding on a proper driver's circuit as well, which for most drivers, uh, it's, it's it's a new track as well for them. And he just got the most out of the car. And if you look at where he was compared to his teammate Sonoda, it was what? A second clear or something—I'm not sure in Cole Farm, but in, and in the race, he was comfortably best, of, best of the rest as well. So just a brilliant job, job yet again from Gasly. Mm.
0: And you know, I think as a, yeah, it was fantastic from Gasly a weekend. And you know, he's just, it he, he wasn't even on screen. You know, he—he—he just—he <laughs> yeah. was just there. He was just driving. He just—you know—went for a two-hour driving. Holland and, you know, that that was it. He was never in any battles. He was never kind of within any of the pit stop windows or anything like that. He just drove and, and that was it. And then, like, oh, oh, across the line comes Gasly P4. That was it. It was so kind of quiet and assured, really, from him. I think, just as a wider point, the gap between the top three and the rest of the grid <laughs> oh. was just insane. I think in combination of the track short, Lots
1: of corners. Yeah, the short so track
0: you know, a, a short track with lots of corners and a uh, semi mixed up grid. The drivers like Norris and Perez and maybe Leclerc that you'd expect to be up there um, and have at times kind of challenged the the podium this year on pure pace weren't. So mm. you know, it was there was that, but it was just oh my, the everyone by the top three um, finished at least a lap down. There were five drivers who were two laps down. Um, and Russell finished ahead of Mick Schumacher, despite having retired <laughs> on like before the end of the race, and he was still classified ahead of Schumacher. So it was, yeah, it was a, you know, it was just different levels today between the Mercedes and Red Bull and rest of the grid, and you know, it made it quite interesting. I think having that, you know, the pit window was always open um, in terms of positional. Um, you know, not dropping any positions out of the top three. And yeah, the, the traffic I think made it interesting in terms of lap times with the Hamilton and Verstappen um gap fluctuating as they worked through traffic. But yeah, it was it was just, you know, there was absolutely no competition for the podium today.
1: No, yep. there wasn't, there wasn't. <laughs> and Gasly put himself in the best position to benefit from it. And yes. it was I mean, yeah, it didn't look like a threat. For at any point for Bottas-Hamilton yeah. over Overstappen to have a failure or an accident or anything but if they did Gasly it would have been just I think normal for Gasly to slot into the third place on the podium that's how good Gasly did, is, is doing at the moment it, not just today but at the moment mm. I remember his first podium in Brazil his win this time last year pretty much to the day Um, and we were going crazy about how mad it was and everything like that it, it's kind of normal for Gasly to be a podium contender now I think he's, he's turn himself around in Alpha Tauri. That's off.
0: Yeah. Mm. 100%. We're, we're take, I'll take my hat. On. I mean, the yeah, hat that you specially put, put on for talking about Gas being me and Nigel I, know, I need to wear hats. a
1: hat because my hair is oh. atrocious today.
0: <laughs> and on, on that note, I'm not going to do a bad hair link to um, the next <laughs> driver. <laughs> to but, Robert uh, bit, sir. Um, maybe the driver we'd expect to be in fourth and we've referenced him a few times there, Sergio Perez didn't have a good weekend. I mean, he made the race more interesting coming through the field, but he missed the um, cut to put his final lap in in qualifying and then went out in Q1, which is just you know unbelievable, really. And then in the race, uh, he started from the pit lane with a power unit change and fought his way back up to eighth. And I didn't know if Red Bull would pit him to Take the fastest lap off Hamilton. I, th- mm. I genuinely thought that was going to happen because that's what they did in
2: that was Silverstone,
0: yeah. yeah. So, but they didn't. Um, but what kind of how would you sum up Perez's weekend? It was you know, I think a decent drive on Sunday, but yeah, very odd.
2: I don't it's know exactly whether to that. blame the team or the driver because I, I can't, I kind of think. He shouldn't be in that position anyway because he's in a Red Bull second or first fastest car. But then you know, the team should have. I, I, I don't, I'm not sure, but either I think, way, I think Perez was too far off all weekend anyway, even when he was in clean air. And stuff. Yeah, and he's really not going through a good run of form at all. His overtakes were good though, and he did come back through the field as expected, but it's just. I'm not I'm not sure. I don't Aces think he's got is, the confidence. I think he's lost some confidence. Like is, just, he just... has
1: lost confidence. I think you're right. I think it is a c it's a it's a lot of things piling up, such as him being the best part of a second off of Max all weekend. Um and then of course, like we say, rebel getting their sums a bit wrong and people just backing up a lot more than really everyone thought they would do at the at the back of the track. Um, but eighth is his best only result in the points since um, Austria 2 this year, which feels like donkeys ago.
2: That's yes, because he crashed in Belgium on the way to the grid. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. He crashed in Belgium. He went off the road in the sprint race at Silverstone. And to be fair, he was collected in Budapest. But I mean, yeah. as a run of three races... um he was on something like eighty odd points after Baku, and he's on something like only twenty points more in a Red Bull in that long isn't necessarily
0: fantastic. Mm. I think he's got um, the I, same
2: points as he did last year in the Aston or something like that, or similar. Like I don't really not
0: that much difference. I think. Yeah, I mean, you know, to to have his contract locked down before um, Belgium is, you know, a great. You know, I think it's. If it still hadn't been sorted out, if I was Perez, I'd be feeling pretty worried, to be honest, yeah. because, you know, yeah. having the last two races missing, you know, the cut in Q1 and then, you know, just last last week, obviously, crashing on the way to the grid, it's, it's not been a great two weeks for him. So I think maybe going to Monza, you know, I don't, we'll talk more on the preview podcast about how we think teams will do, but, you know, it is a simpler track for you know, I think I think it should maybe help, you know, just give him a bit of an easier ride next week. But yeah, you're right, it's not been a great run from him on that.
2: I think the problem speed. is he's not able to put it together because I think it's clear yes. that the elements are there because he's shown that he can be second row on the grid in qualifying quite comfortably. And he's shown that he, he can out he does have good race pace even if it is a two or three tenths behind the staff But nevertheless nevertheless that would be you know, have Bottas' sometimes two, two or three times behind Howelson, so it would be kind of similar, I think. So it's just he's not pussing it together.
0: is a bit reminiscent of the grudges they had with Albon, you know, well, kind of different, 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 different standards. Enough, but, you, but, it, but it was, you know, that was kind of one of Horner's biggest laments, is that he just didn't have a clean weekend. He didn't have a weekend mm. where he was kind of able to just have a normal free practice and a normal qualifying and a normal... Race, And that's been the case with Perez for, you know, the last few months, effectively, you know, I'm not kind of comparing um, the two results or, or, you know, I guess the two, I'm not doing a direct comparison between the drivers, but I'm just saying the situation is very similar to the troubles and kind of public frustrations that they had with Albon.
1: Perez would have been fifth if he didn't obliterate his tyre trying to overtake Nikita Mazepin on lap (laughs) six. Which he was
2: yes. that's one of the
1: longest <laughs> lockups I've ever seen. It was not a good lockup, it decimated a mm. fresh, hard tire, um, which was poor from Perez and did put him so he dropped then 20 seconds behind, overtaking the Latifi, I think, not Mazapin, I should say. And then he dropped like 20 seconds back from them and then pitted for another 20 seconds. So then he was 40 seconds back and had to work that back again, which he, he did. He did relatively do that pretty well, I think. I might be wrong with my numbers there, but he, because it seems like a big number, but um, he came back through and he did get to eight. But really, without that, without that extra pit stop, he should probably, he should have been probably fifth, I reckon, in that race. Um, And he had the pace to do it in the race. Collision
2: with Norris was hairy as well, wasn't it? (laughs) Yeah.
1: um, I lay the door, lay that more at Norris than Perez, but Perez just Mm -hmm. didn't want to be pushed off.
0: If I'm honest, Nigel, do you want to respond to?
2: No, I, th- I think that was. I think Freddie's... I'd, I'd agree with that with Freddie. Yeah. yeah.
0: Okay, the face you were pulling made it look like you didn't. But Help. yeah, I, I I agree as well. I think it was. It showed the uh, onboard of
1: Norris turning left.
0: Yeah, I think <laughs> so. I think yeah. From you know they've got. His, was it they they came together at Austria, didn't they? Um, yes it was and Norris was <laughs> on the outside that side uh, that time so I think there may be some history there um, speaking of Norris it was kind of again a weird weekend for McLaren you had um, on Saturday with Ricardo, who was seemed to be in the ascendancy and got through to Q3 well Norris didn't and then on Sunday it was kind of role reversal but still didn't come out of the out of the race with the points, all they would have wanted, and you know, Ferrari are just four and a half, three and a half points behind them now. Good race for Ferrari. I
2: thought they were 11 and a half ahead, I think. I thought they were quite, quite a bit clear.
0: No, it's, I think uh, they gained
2: like 15 points today, and they were McLaren three and they were, half behind um, coming in, I think.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, sorry, that'll be it. The, yeah, sorry, yeah, but yeah, so no, yeah, that's that. They dropped behind. Well, yeah, but that, you know that kind of serves the point even more that yeah. it was a strange weekend, and now they dropped behind Ferrari, which isn't good at all. Mm. I, I, to add I, on? He didn't
2: have the pace think, to me because even Norris, when he was in clean air in the race, he didn't, you know, storm his way through. He went long, didn't he, in the first stint, and then he, he, even even to get past Ricardo, Ricardo let him through. I think Ricardo actually had a pretty good weekend. He just didn't have the car. So it's quite unfortunate that he, yes. he's had a good weekend. but he didn't have the car to be right up there. So that kind of didn't do him I agree with justice, that. unfortunately. Uh, it makes Ricardo look well. And... makes
1: him look like he's still treading water a bit. But he, he, you're right. His pace mm. was matching Norris all the way through. And um, obviously Norris got unlucky with, um, that, with all the red flags at the end of Q2. But Ricardo did a better first lap and was on like seventh mm. in the original Q2 running. So hats off to Ricardo. More hats off. Yeah,
2: McLaren, yeah. Will, McLaren will be hoping that Zamp thought was a one-off with the weird corners and yeah. the high speed because it was I was I was very surprised that they were that far back. They were probably fifth or sixth fastest car over, over the weekend, uh, which which is which isn't good, but they should be strong at the next few races, i think.
0: Monza is a yeah. happy
1: hunting ground for them.
0: Yeah, I was. I was about to say that I think they will um, will come back but it's kind of there and this was why I kind of didn't want to make any you know predictions for this weekend that you know it's such a it just felt like such a kind of anything could happen and you know McLaren are the um, stereotypical kind of vogue interesting podium pick but yeah it just kind of you know it didn't uh, clearly it didn't suit them this weekend and should be back next weekend but yeah, it was not not a good race. And, you know, for all we've kind of pumped up Ricardo, he finished behind Norris and was kind of used as a para shield um for, you know, the for the race itself. So it wasn't, you know, yeah, it Ric- kind of
1: Ricardo wasn't helped by starting on his Q2 soft tyres from tenth place. Norris yes. could at least do a bit more of a contra strategy outside the top ten. For his first non-Q three appearance of the year, um, non-Q3 race even, because um, he didn't appear there. But yeah, I think, yeah, I think it's, we don't need to sound alarm bells. It's um, the anomaly. One not off the, for now. Yeah, exactly. It's not it's, the norm.
0: Yes, and the scene we just mentioned there, Ferrari kind of had, a again, a quietly good weekend. Leclerc finished seventh, uh, fifth, Science finished seventh. And I think with the, you know, fight up front and then the midfield action seems to be more towards the back end of the points. You know, it was not a really notable race for Ferrari, but as we've mentioned, another good haul of points and they've overtaken McLaren now in the standings. So, anything to add on that, or just well done? I think up. well I done.
2: I think Leclerc was. I think Leclerc was generally the better driver overall. Well yeah. I just crashed in FP3. Maybe it's him back, lost uh, him some confidence perhaps. I think Leclerc. He manages manages tires very well. I think that that department for for, for Leclerc has really come on over the last 12 months or so. We we know how good his core fan base is. I think his race base is getting towards you know the top top level now as well. Mm.
1: Science Science was um actually very critical. Now you mentioned that after the race. He said he just felt like the slowest he's ever felt in a racing mm. car. And He's yeah he's he's not happy with the way the day went and he did get jumped by Alonso to be fair at the end. Um, So I mean, thumbs up for Leclerc, but actually for science the race wasn't actually good at all. What was he like? I think he was like thirty seconds behind Leclerc on the end.
2: Yeah, it's pretty average. It was pretty average for science.
0: Quote. Yeah, quote also shows the level of the Formula Renault UK Winter Series. Cars that they were running around in, but or well, that science was running around in, in his junior career. But yeah, yes. I yeah, <laughs> he's yeah. It, you know it, it's kind of all well about the ends, well And they've done done a good job there. And I don't know how well we'll talk more about how we expect them to go in Monda. But yeah, well done Ferrari and Alpine too, especially Alonso. I mean, they went wheel to wheel around the turn three, which was very good between the two. Alpine's and didn't all end in chaos, but did end up with Alonso ahead, and that was how it stayed. Really, he finished sixth. Ocon finished ninth, and yeah, you know, just Alonso had a very good first lap, um, yeah, and then nearly rear-ended Ricardo. Maybe he nearly rear-ended someone. Um, he was he
1: was rear-ended by Russell, I think, and then he rear-ended yeah. Giovinazzi. Yeah, so, um, there was a few sort of hairy moments that he just brushed off, and then just kind of managed his race really, really well. Ocon was saying, I'm much faster than him, and at the time he was, Ocon was, but Ocon then ruined his tyres and <laughs> dropped way back, and then Alonso was just, oh, I'm managing, I can go faster, and did. Um, yeah, so Alonso just, just yeah, he needs to work on his qualifying form really, if anything, but his race performance today was brilliant. One of his best of the year, yeah. I think.
2: I think it was a great drive. He managed his tyres perfectly I think he he pushed when he needed to conserved when he needed to it was a typical Fernando Alonso driving it was a typical Fernando Alonso overtaker around the outside at turn three as well so I thought he had a great race uh, Alonso uh, one of his best results of the year so far I think sixth place
0: mm. yeah yeah yeah. That's off. Oh, not literally because then Freddie will need to put it back on again <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah it was a good good performance by, you know, I think they were both pretty strong there and Alonso was just a bit more of a wily character to yeah. get the best out of the track. I think just in general, I was surprised that a lack of carnage, I think in the F3, particularly the last race, it was all over the place on the on the opening lap and the opening sector, but you didn't get that so much in the F1, which was good. And also just a general point on Zanboy, the quality of overtakes I thought was a lot better you know there were uh, still yeah. ones at the end of the straight, but it wasn't you know like okay, you get yeah, some tracks, yeah. just DRS and heavy braking zone. I think there were less overtakes, but I think in general the quality was higher. And Freddie yeah, finishes his wine glass that may or may not have wine in. Um, I'm done. I'm out of wine. Oh no! What's oh, the well, point? I can complain more about these drivers coming up. Actually, no, you won't complain about the next driver we're going to talk about because it is Antonio Giovinazzi and he made your prediction come true by making it into Q3, beating Ricardo. We we laughed and scoffed and considered whether to get a new analyst on the podcast. But (laughs) that wasn't... (laughs) I'm an analyst. I like that. Giovinazzi made it... I was... It was a good moment for you, but then the race—he, I think—he went back to about tenth immediately, and then it was just like a slow decline from there.
1: Yeah, I was—I had just had a hunch that he was going to do well because um, he does have good qualifying form, and I thought it was going to be a driver's track,
0: and he—and he Andy, Andy phoned you up before saying, "Oh, Freddie, I'm going to get Freddy, it. I'm going to gonna, Q3. I'm
1: gonna go into Q three. So just you know, yeah. give it a shout." So I did, <laughs> and um, he, he yeah. only went, and Buddy went P seven, didn't he? out-qualified really? both Alpines, out-qualified Ricardo was a tenth off the second row. It was one of the qualifying performances of the year, I think, considering where the Alpha Romeo has been. Um so yeah, well done Antonio. And he was he was he tried to be aggressive on the first lap. He tried not to get swallowed up. But in trying to be aggressive, other people got you were able to pounce on that kind of stuff because if you're aggressive then it puts you offline and stuff like that. So that didn't work in his favour. And then I don't know, when it was sort of lap 20 odds, sort of around the pit stop. No, not around the pit stop phases. He got a puncture, which dropped him back. Otherwise, he probably would have been maybe around 10th or 11th for the whole race. Yeah, I think, I think
2: he could have got a point. I think he, yeah. could have, he was on course for it. Yeah. And, you know, it's tough to overtake as well. But you're absolutely mm. right. Fantastic call fine lap from nowhere <laughs> as well. Uh, maybe Not from nowhere at
1: three. this track. He was fast all wow. weekend at the track. I kept shouting about it on our little group chat. I kept taking <laughs> pictures of the order of him in the top 10, going, look at Jovanazzi. And you kept yeah, ignoring because everyone
2: else hadn't done the full <laughs> fan simulation yet, wasn't it? <laughs> no. He finished no, in the top it, 10 it, it was a great
1: both FP1 and FP2 at the end of the session. So, And we forget was... the fact that FP1 was only 20 minutes long. But anyway.
2: Yeah. It was by far his <laughs> best weekend of the year, I think. I can't think of when else he performed so
1: well. So, yeah, this or Monaco okay. for him. For the yeah, for Monaco. the season jovanazzi watcher, which I am. Mm. Um, <laughs> the lesser spot is Antonio
0: jovanazzi Yes. And maybe we won't
2: will. be doing that next year.
0: <laughs> well, maybe we will have some definitive reports to talk about or decisions to talk about in our Monza preview. But yes, for now, it was a very assured qualifying performance from jovanazzi and not as good a race performance and yeah like you say that first sector is brutal in terms of if you get offline then you're really mm. in a bad way um so yeah it was tough for him but also a word for robert kubitzer who came in at short notice sadly callum mylot didn't get the chance because he chose this week to be in america but it was still he was in nurburgring okay. he was doing gt, GT racing
1: and he's in he's in america next week so even if kimmy wrightman's still not there then yes um that's it but it's actually looking relatively likely that Kimmy will come back but anyway
0: yes but anyway um, Robert Kubica stepped in and actually did better than I thought I forgot that he was racing for large parts of it which is good that he wasn't kind of being notably off the pace and yeah it's kind of not too much to say apart from it's nice to see him out and it's an
2: extremely good job I thought I mean fantastic. I really thought yeah. he'd be with the Haas if not behind yeah. only one hour of practice it's really tough track as well to get to the grips of an F1 weekend, to get to grips with the car as well, is really tricky. I don't think that should be un- underestimated. So I think Kubica really did very well, as good as he could have, I'd say. And he bedded in. He, he, he looked like a typical Alpha <laughs> performance. I don't know if, if that's it's a good, good or bad thing. It was very Kimi-esque,
0: to be honest. It, it, it was it was but, very similar to what you'd expect Räikkönen to. It,
2: it be. made me thought, what could Räikkönen have done? But even. But we'll, we'll never know. And I think Kubica was great. Yeah.
1: He did very well. Um, he didn't drive the medium or hard tyres to the race. And then only drove the medium and hard tyres in the race. <laughs> and made a one-stop work really well. Um, and he overtook Latifi on the last lap. He was just managing his pace so fantastically. Throughout the race, really, he was getting better and better and better. He had a good, a good fight with Sebastian Vettel um, for a long time. And I think, yeah. To be honest, it was. I'm I'm glad he got this run because the 2019 season in what was a dog of a car
2: what and did up against
1: have? up against George Russell isn't necessarily going to paint any many drivers in the best light. Um, so I I think um so I think Robert Kubica got wasn't, you know, amazing in 2019 but he got dealt a bit of a rough deal and I'm glad that he's had this opportunity to do a very, very, very good job a Robert a worthy performance, really, I yeah,
2: think. If this is his final race in F1 I think, you know, it's a good way to go out, I guess. I know people will be yeah. see, seeing it as, as this way because it's a bonus but, yeah, I think he did a commendable job.
0: Mm, no, I, I completely agree and... He actually beat George Russell as well, which you know.
2: You know, while Russell which, retired, didn't he? <laughs>
0: by, by that logic, if he'd been racing last week, then he would have won. So you know, that's the only thing we can take from that. <laughs> but, yeah, um, yeah. I but he didn't really was... win Le Mans this year, so.
1: Mm. <laughs>
2: oh,
0: so yeah. I I, oh god, it's
1: sad. I don't <laughs>
2: remind me. I can't. Broke down on that. the final lap of Le Mans. Oh my word! Moving nice. when,
0: <laughs> when when I saw um, Lewis going for. Uh, lapping him I was like oh it's just like 2008 except not lapping but you know but that was that that was the only part of it um, that I remember but yeah and also um, being on the grid is that that's yeah the, that's commit, the commit, no, but being with Hamilton on the it's grid it's like 2005 F3 Masters did they both race in that or yes <laughs> okay there we go um, so there's two completely niche series from the past that we've yeah, referenced yeah. Form, today
1: Formula oh you referenced Formula Renault yeah. didn't you I was yeah. going to say, Formula 1
0: 2008,
1: so
0: niche. <laughs> um, is there anyone else on the grid you want to talk about? The only other thing to me is Williams synchronised crashing on in qualifying. But yeah, is there any, anything else you I want think to that, I
1: think that worked in their favour because I don't think George Russell would have qualified 11th if they hadn't mm. red-flagged the session. <laughs> um, yeah. So in the end... I don't really know. Uh, the Haas drivers, I think we should give a look in because they are Oh my, going it's an absolute mess. It, they're having their own meltdown at the back of the grid. If the fireworks weren't good enough at the front of the grid, thank <laughs> God we've got Mick Schumacher and Nikita Mazepin um, to come to blows in front of Gunter Steiner in Ma- the Mazepin worst car on the sent grid.
0: Schumacher into the pit lane. <laughs> yeah, it was,
1: it was overly aggressive defending. Um, Mazepin did a few overly aggressive defensive moves and other cars as well, such as like Perez and, and stuff like that later on as well. And it's just, yeah, it's, it's not been a happy relationship between the two of them. Um, obviously, in qualifying, uh, allegedly Mick Schumacher broke uh, internal rule, um, which Nicky DeMaz have been decided to um, <laughs> deal with by just re-overtaking him when both of them could have started a lap, which perplexed me. I was really confused at why he did that, um, and then in the race he just reacted overly aggressively. Um, after getting past Schumacher at the start, he then just weaved and weaved and weaved in an appalling manner. Frankly, um, Schumacher and him made contact. I think Schumacher hit the bollard um, mm. on the pit entry, and is what she wrote. And Schumacher had to pit for repairs and he said after the race that he doesn't think they can resolve their relationship
2: Mm. Uh, I mean the qualifying I can put down to both driver and team you know miscommunication Uh, I think both drivers played a part in that but the race Mazepin he did this in Baku as well on the last lap which was missed by quite a lot of people he completely swiped at Schumacher and to do it out of driver less alone on your teammate. Is an absolute disgrace, quite frankly, <laughs> I and mean, his attitude as well. You just can't be doing that in Formula One. I, you know, no other. You can't. No other team would accept that, quite frankly. And it, it's just, it's just not on. You, you can't be saying and doing these things. Uh, and in fact, it's taken longer than I thought for this to boil up. It like was actually quite calm for the first half of the season, but this is a pretty big moment in the season pass and it'll be interesting to see what happens from here because it's going to get, it could get quite messy.
1: (laughs) Yeah, um, Mick Schumacher, um, he said after the race, um, he was asked actually by Natalie Pinkham on Sky Sports, "Um, do you like Zanvoort? How's it been? He goes, the experience of the track has been okay. Then he goes straight in, I'll say again, there's a little coming together with my teammate for some reasons I don't understand and he just he just really wanted to just yeah. voice how frustrated he was at Mazapin. Um yeah, he said that um Mazapin's basically got this kind of vendetta about just trying to always be in front of Schumacher, which is fine for a backmarker team. It's always fair enough. Do you want to beat your teammate? But then there's the it's, it's the respect.
2: Sort of, it's the respect it's respect
1: because it's it's desperate, it's not racing, really.
2: Yeah, and is a very calm person as well. You know, his interviews, you don't really get much from them normally. So then for him to do this, it says quite a lot about how much is going on behind the scenes. Uh,
1: it'll I don't think he's happy really, and has it all, he, to be honest.
2: Yeah, it, I mean, he's got nowhere else to surprise, go. Surprise, surprise. Really, but <laughs> yeah, it'll be interesting to, to see how this plays out because there'll be a lot happening.
0: Are they both in for next season. They're, They're announced some multi-year deals, but I don't um, think
2: Schumacher's that's not fishy. true. <laughs> um, Mazapin, I think he will be there Was like basically on the team with the sponsors and stuff, but Schumacher uh not it's a case 100%. Of,
1: is it they've they basically said with Schumacher the party line is that it's just a case of finalizing stuff. Um yeah. but I think We've said
2: that for a couple months now though exactly we? <laughs> that's come
1: on for us that's been going for some time so who knows. Um I think mean, Bernie Eccleston said he should go to Alfa Tauri, but that
0: a, that's a Bernie <laughs> yeah. Eccleston thing. So Yeah.
1: Um, I don't know. I think Schumacher is... He is a property on the driving market currently, but I think most people are just steering clear because he's got a
0: safe seat. Yeah, I think... I mean, did did you write an article, Freddie, about how if it's not him, it's going to be another Ferrari junior uh, yes, in the I seed. did. I would have did. <laughs> okay. yeah. Um, so, yeah, they kind of didn't seem to anyone kind of really, you know, I don't think they're turfing him out to a Schwarzman. So, no, yeah, I, I think, you know, it's whether they consider moving him around or trying to get him into Alpha, I, you know, it, it seems quite unlikely, to be honest. And, you know, I think There's he'll no be, point. He'll be he'll be in there for... For another year, at least. So we get one more year of this drama. And it, it feels quite like quite harmless Michica. drama as really well, because they're both. None of them are getting points, so you know it's just kind of it's just drama for the sake of it. Which is
2: They will, but if it ends up in a serious crash or something, serious, I mean, yes. then
0: yeah, obviously,
2: it really will not. Because I mean, they could have had a big accident today, quite. Badly. And they could have had
1: a big one in Baku when it boiled over. Then as yeah, well, yeah, Baku it, with a similar one was
2: mood. a lot worse, I thought.
1: The vacuum wow. one was worse because of the speed, but this was, in all but names, the same, really.
0: Um, I think this was scarier on the onboard, personally.
1: Um, they're, yeah, they're both nasty moves, and, and it's, it, in, in IndyCar, you get automatically penalised for that kind of move. Um, like You're allowed to block, but you're not allowed to reactively block in IndyCar. They're very black and white with that kind of stuff. In F1, in well, European racing, you're allowed to do that. Which I think is fine, but I think the way it has been done, and the way it's sort of becoming more popular to move so late in defense is is a bit uncomfortable.
0: Mm. yeah, but you know in the end, there was no harm done. I think the only exactly. other driver I just want to mention is Sonoda, he was so far off the pace, you know, like it's yeah. another example where you know you see Casley doing this amazing. Result as we whacked lyrical on earlier, and he he eventually retired. But even before that, he was kind of way off. I think yeah, he was out in Q one.
2: It, it was a big chance. He was. Mish, so he made because, it through. He
0: was fifteenth. So because
2: it, it's a new track, Alvatar clearly had the pace to at least be in the points. Senna so yeah. wasn't able to capitalize on that, unfortunately.
0: Yeah. Okay. Any anything else to uh, mention from the weekend? Other than I mean,
1: yeah, we've ended on a bit of a a sour note there, but I think, yeah, look back to how we started this podcast. We were raving about how much we loved Zandvoort, And I think everyone there, I am immensely envious of because it looked like an absolute ball of a Grand Prix. Mm. A huge, huge, huge congratulations to the team behind that, because it's very hard to start a Grand Prix, particularly to an old circuit and make it go smoothly. And in such a sort of tight area, such a small part of the world. They've been able to put on an incredibly efficient, incredibly well resourced and incredibly incredible Grand Prix. And just for the fans, for the drivers, for um, anyone there and anyone watching, it looked brilliant. So well done, Zambor. Well done. Absolutely.
2: One of the best events of the year, I think. And the track as well. Old school. Uh, Even you know, there wasn't many incidents in the race because it was still a fantastic race strategically. But even if it was a bit of a procession uh, still to some people, seeing the drivers push that hard on the limits is fantastic. Uh, so yeah, yeah. definitely. I hope, I hope it stays on the calendar.
0: Yeah. Oh, 100%. I think the, you know, just even the podium celebrations, mm. ceremonies yeah. at the end is fantastic. It felt the kind of pit straight and podium and stuff. reminded me of, bit of inter Lagos. i'm not sure you know kind yeah. of maybe the smaller track reminds in the, me of Indianapolis. Kind of natural natural um banking with the fans on but no i thought it was really good if you were grading it like we did in our mid-season report mm. what what would you give it i'd go for an a i don't think it wasn't like a star quality yeah, but i think, I think it was everything that Nothing i wanted really from the weekend
1: yeah go for an a i think it's you know, every Grand Prix we're we'll watching, say, oh, "I wish we were there," but so noticeably more with this one. Yeah.
0: Yes. Definitely.
1: Yeah. yeah
2: there was only two thirds full, remarkably, as well. I know. It? Yeah. It's,
0: it's insane. It's you know, really. I mean, it is crazy, kind of, in every sporting theatre, how much noise a small fan, you know, small passionate fan group can make. But it just didn't feel. It felt like it was a capacity crowd. that didn't feel so we had to be any drop off at all. Yeah. So. When there is a full crowd, then that will be even bigger. But that is all for this week. We'll be back before Monza with the it. Italian Grand Prix. Preview Maybe some news to talk about, although we analysed most of it last week. I doubt week. it. So, <laughs> Nothing's going to happen. Hope They're definitely you. not going to
1: announce Valsi Bottas at Alfa Romeo tomorrow, Monday, when this goes out. It's not going to happen.
0: Definitely as, not. Has Has this gone out before or after?
1: This will probably know, go out
0: it? as okay as everything so, happens yeah once you see this drop in your inbox or subscriber list or whatever then you'll know that Bottas Go is to the Alfa an Alpha Romeo, Romeo, Romeo driver <laughs> yeah so yes but thank you very much for listening and see you next time goodbye